0: This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the
1: Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, another week of Hockey Central begins today. Welcome into the program. Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour uh, for a Flames game day edition of Hockey Central. As such, we're going to have Alex Faust from the LA Kings join us later on in the show he is the play-by-play voice for the Kings so we'll tee up that matchup between the Calgary Flames and the LA Kings puck drop at 7 p.m today you can catch your pregame Flames talk with Pat Steinberg all right here on Sportsnet 960 throughout the day Uh, looks like Jacob Markstrom and Jonas Korpisalo are your projected starters in net Chris Tanev is still day-to-day for the Flames he's missed the last three games with an upper body injury uh based on morning skates it looks like no adam rzicka or jacob peltier in the lineup tonight expect nick ritchie and milan lucic in that bottom six instead Uh, now with the kings coming to town obviously the last meeting between these two teams last monday was a pretty massive eight to two win by the kings la by the way is on a franchise record twelve game point streak at the moment. They're ten zero and two in their last twelve games, outscoring their opponents fifty two to twenty eight. The L.A. Kings are absolutely clicking right now. Uh, they are only two points back of the Vegas Golden Knights for the lead for the lead in the Western Conference. Uh, so that's a pretty formidable opponent coming to town for the Calgary Flames tonight. Calgary obviously coming off of a 5-3 victory against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. The Winnipeg Jets lost to the Kings actually on Saturday night, which keeps the Flames in it. They are still mathematically in this kind of playoff race. They are technically five points back of taking over the Winnipeg Jets for the final wild card spot. They're four points back, but the Jets have the tiebreaker based on the head-to-head matchups this season. Now it's Pride Night at the Dome tonight as well, so the Calgary Flames are going to wear special warm-up jerseys designed by local artist Megan Parker. Uh, the jerseys are going to be signed and auctioned off to support uh, the CSEC inclusion program. The jerseys are gorgeous. If you haven't seen them on social media yet, check them out. Um, You know, Megan Parker and the entire group that designed these jerseys did a great job. The organization's done a really great job this season with all their specialty jerseys. Uh, Lunar New Year was gorgeous. Black History Month. The Indigenous Celebrations, excuse me, uh, and Canadian Forces Appreciation Night. Uh, The Flames organization does a great job uh, with this kind of stuff, and Pride Night should be no different. Uh, Daryl Sutter said that the plan is for the whole team to wear these Pride jerseys for warm-ups on Tuesday. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Uh, obviously, Pride jerseys have been a major topic of conversation around the league in recent weeks with players and teams deciding not to wear the jerseys, deciding not to take part in warm-ups. Um, you know, most recently, the Stahl brothers in Florida did not wear the jerseys they did not take part in warm-up but they did play in the game and then Matthew Kachuk of course uh, comes out after and says you know everybody is welcome in this room everyone's welcome on my team And, and that's what this is all about at the end of the day is wearing these jerseys and having these nights to make people you know feel welcome and safe and comfortable in the rink like, you know, if somebody is a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you are welcome to come to a game in Calgary, watch the flames, enjoy your night. Uh, and of course, these jerseys are, are just beautiful and those will be uh, auctioned off. So that's great to see from the Calgary Flames. Um, In other news ahead of this game day, Matthew Coronado is in Calgary. He took morning skate this morning after arriving in the city, uh, the Flames 2021 first round draft pick. Signed his entry-level contract after Harvard was defeated by Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he just finished his second season at Harvard, and he was the Ivy League Rookie of the Year last season in his freshman contest. Uh, he's not expected to play tonight, given he just arrived in Calgary. Uh, but he did with, meet with the media today after his first skate with the team. Here's what he had to say about his last 48 hours signing with the Flames and arriving in Calgary.
2: Matt, what has the uh, last 24, 48 hours been like for you as you go through this whirlwind and now in a room full of cameras and mics? Yeah, it's been a little crazy. It's been uh, really exciting. Um, Just hard to explain the feeling being here. Um, Really just grateful for the opportunity Uh, to come in and be with these guys and and learn and do all that
0: you got picked up last night uh, from the airport did it sink in then or was there a moment when you went
2: okay this is happening I think it all started to sink in slowly I think when I walked in here today it it really started to sink in and getting to meet the guys and talk to everyone and it's it's been a really cool day who were you excited to to kind of talk to on the team I think everyone I think uh, I mean, really, everyone introduced themselves to me, which was which was awesome. Um, I'm sitting over there in the corner next to Dylan. He's been unbelievable with making me feel comfortable. So just everyone really has been, been really great.
1: All right, so that was Matthew Coronado this morning after Morning Skate, uh, his first kind of official media availability. Uh, with the media in Calgary after signing his entry-level contract and arriving in Calgary this morning. Uh, Obviously, we need to manage expectations about a young player coming in. Uh, But as for a quick scouting report, I mean, Matthew Coronado is a very versatile forward. He can play on the wing. He can play center. He's known as a naturally gifted goal scorer. He's got a very quick catch and release. He was used in all situations at Harvard uh, this season and last. I wouldn't expect him to get thrown onto the PK in Calgary right away especially if the Flames are still going to be in this playoff hunt. Um, but something to, to be aware of. He's been tapped to, to do that at all other levels, and that should certainly bode well for a young player trying to integrate himself into the pro uh game knowing that he can you know be trusted in the defensive zone be trusted on the power play pk five on five etc uh for a more of an in-depth breakdown though of matthew coronado and his game uh we're going to go to the atlas pizza guest hotline for our first guest of the show it is uh, scott wheeler he's a national prospect writer at the athletic knows a lot more about these guys than i do scott thanks for hopping on the show how are you
2: I'm doing well. I'm just getting back into the swing of things after six weeks off on parental leave. So the, the workload <laughs> is is pretty high right now.
1: Yeah, well, first, congratulations uh, and Thank welcome you. back. Thank you. Thank you for spitting uh, us in because, wow, this is a this is a busy time. You got WHL playoffs coming up. Connor Bedard, what's mm-hmm. he going to do? NCAA Frozen Four. College players are signing their entry level contracts. There's a lot going on here in the world of prospects.
2: Yeah, and we've got U18 Worlds in less than a month now on the calendar as well. So uh, just ramping up and getting ready to head over to Switzerland, and that should be a lot of fun with, with the U.S. as the, the usual favorite, as they always are at, at U18 Worlds.
1: Yeah, that's going to be nice. Um, You know, looking at Matt Coronado, though, I don't think he I mean, he's not expected to play tonight for the Calgary Flames, but he does sign his entry level contract. We can surely expect him to draw into the lineup in the next week here uh, for the Flames. What is he going to add to this roster and what can Flames fans expect and be excited about in Matthew Coronado?
2: Well, I think the beauty of Matt is that even if he does enter the lineup, he's not the kind of prospect who has to be a sort of boomer bust, top six or bust kind of guy. Uh, just because of the style of play he, play he plays, he's a very, very good skater, sort of NHL level skater already. Already, and and the working piece, he's he's a very competitive kid. Has always been known as sort of the hardest working player on the ice. That kind of a thing. So I think there's a real opportunity for him in ways that there maybe aren't for for a lot of other young players that they try to break into the league to just settle in as a depth guy initially and work his way up he doesn't have to be on pp1 to find success he's not going to have to have the puck on his stick and get a ton of touches and be the skill guy on his line necessarily to have success he can just go out there work his tail off go get pucks and then when he does get his opportunities, he's got that NHL shot that you sort of mentioned off the top, and he's going to finish from the slot. He's going to make plays around the crease. That's his bread and butter as well. So I'm really excited to see him sort of work his way into the mix here because he can sort of play up and down a lineup. That's always been a calling card for him. I think ultimately long-term you hope out of a sort of front half of the first round pick that he becomes a top six guy and that he becomes a PP1 guy and that he's scoring – 30 goals a year in the NHL and that's kind of the ceiling and the best case scenario for him, but he doesn't have to be that immediately. And that should help him over the next year, two years, even three years sort of ease his way into the league, become uh, uh, that sort of versatile player that you talked about, and then let the skills sort of blossom and develop and the confidence come as he gets settled.
1: How important is it to manage expectations with players coming right out of college? I know there's obviously examples of guys coming in and having a spark right away, uh, but not everybody can be Maddie Beneers. So what's what's important to keep in mind here as as Coronado, you know, works his way into the NHL here?
2: Well, I think the reality is, and this is often lost on people as as these sort of annual uh, sort of free agent, mini free agent frenzies for NCAA free agents happen. The reality is that the vast majority of these guys have bargained into their deals, not in writing, but sort of handshake agreements with NHL clubs that, hey, if I sign with your team, obviously a different situation with Coronado because he's property of the Flames. But for the true, true college free agents, there's a a sort of handshake agreement of, hey, if I sign with your team, I need to get a look down the stretch so you guys can see what you have rather than going straight to the AHL. And in many, many cases, guys do that. They come out of college, they play eight to ten games down the stretch with the NHL club that signs them, and then we never hear from them again or we hear seldom from them, and they're back in the AHL and they're down the depth chart. Uh, I'm sitting here just north of Toronto here, but we saw that last year with Matt Cornetto's uh, teammate at Harvard, Nick Abruzzese, who was a part of the Olympics and a part of – Uh, USA hockey uh, over the last couple of years and a true star, one of the top scorers and playmakers in college hockey came in, played a few games with the Leafs. Now he's the sixth or seventh forward call up with the Toronto Marlies and a good AHL player, but uh, by no means a sure thing NHLer. So uh, obviously Coronado's in a, in a different stratosphere as a former first round pick, you hope that he's going to come in and make an impact. He'll be given more looks than a player like a Nick Cabrera's would have uh, just because of that pedigree, because of his status within the organization, because of where he is on the prospect depth chart for the Flames. Uh, and I think he'll make the most of it. That's just the kind of player that he is. I think Flames fans are really going to enjoy watching him play, and I think he's going to quickly endear himself to Daryl Sutter for his style of play. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's hard. It's It's not an easy jump. And even in the college game where you're playing against 23- and 24-year-old players and you hope that the transition would be smoother than it is for junior players, uh, that's not necessarily always the case for everybody um again i hope that that's not the case for for Madden that he can really figure it out and uh get off to the races here and play his game and i think he will uh but there there definitely needs to be some trepidation and caution and patience and uh, even for a, a player who was drafted in the top 15 at the NHL draft you've you've still got to uh, you almost need to be more patient with those kids so i think that will be really really important over the next year or so for the flames in
1: Coronado and I mean, Scott, you were you were a fan of Coronado heading into his draft year after his time with the Chicago Steel in the USHL. I, I know I read lots of stuff that you did about him before he got drafted by the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. He was 13th overall in 2021, obviously he has two good years at Harvard. He's the Ivy League Rookie of the Year, um, you know, an impact player for the Crimson. How have you seen Coronado kind of improve over the last few years since, you know, being that draft eligible guy to now signing his entry-level contract with the Flames?
2: I think just developing a little bit more patience and a little bit more of a cerebral quality to his game. The Crimson have done a really good job with their their forwards. And and I mentioned Abruzzese, but Sean Farrell as well. Uh, Alex Lafriere, who's uh, expected to sign with the Los Angeles Kings and burn the first year of his entry-level contract. Uh, All of those players play with a, a great deal of poise and patience. And I think some of that rubbed off on Coronado when he was playing at lower levels, whether it was with the national junior team a couple of years ago, uh, or even a couple of summers ago in Edmonton, or whether it was uh, just just in, in the USHL before he hit the college ranks with the Chicago Steel, he got to go out there and really just get after it and play with speed and attack the net and look for his shot. and That was always his focus. And I think just learning at times to slow down a little bit, uh, to hang on to the puck maybe a little bit longer, to navigate in and out of pressure and problem-solve, All of those tools have definitely begun to blossom over the last couple of years more than they ever did uh, with the Chicago Steel. So that's been a big deal for him because I think it'll help him at NHL pace just to slow down and not to sort of force things and constantly be chasing the play. Uh, He's got a little bit more of a sort of head on his shoulders now than he used to.
1: And and you already mentioned the the versatility that he has, the fact that he's a guy who can easily scale up and down the lineup. I mean, the Flames have been jumbling their their lines a lot here uh, down the stretch. I mean, all season it's been kind of a blender here. But he's a guy that seems like you know he played center at Harvard, where you can probably expect him to start on the wing in the NHL. Uh, he can play on the left and the right. He's a natural right shot. Seems like there could be a fit there, like on the third line for the Flames. Uh, you know, with Nazem Kard. Audrey, Dylan Dubé, like there, there's some, there's some combinations that could work well uh, for Coronado heading in here. But you can probably expect him to, to kick over to the wing to start, right?
2: Definitely, and I think the, the right wing is much more likely than the left, even though he's played a lot of left wing uh, throughout his career. If you look at the, the Flames depth chart, it's no secret to anybody that they need right-handed forwards. So he actually fills an additional niche that way, just because of his handedness within their group. So. Uh, that that helps. I mean, it, it's it's one thing to sort of hypothesize that okay, you need a good mix of righties and lefties, but it, it really does help in practical terms on the ice when all three guys on on the line aren't all lefties. So uh, that's a, a will be a little bit of a bonus as well for for uh, the coaching staff.
1: Uh, so another thing here, Scott, we should get into is the NCAA Frozen Four. It's set. It's BU, Michigan, University of Minnesota, and Quinnipiac. They all advance. Quinnipiac with a pretty big comeback against Ohio State. Michigan with a big third period comeback against Penn State over the weekend. There's a ton of storylines heading into the Frozen Four. Lots of top NHL prospects. Draft eligible is going to be there. Uh, you mentioned you're in Toronto. Matthew Nye is one to watch. Luke Hughes, Logan Cooley, Adam Fantilli, to name a few. What's uh, what are some of the biggest storylines that you're tracking ahead of the Frozen Four?
2: Well, I think that the biggest storyline is a potential sort of uh, rematch, a Big Ten rematch between Minnesota and and Michigan. They met in the final of their conference and it was an incredible game and I'm sure uh, both sides are chomping at the bit to run it back and the way that the bracket has shaped up they're playing in opposite semifinals and there's a real chance that that Michigan and Minnesota who are the two teams with the most compelling story in terms of NHL prospects at least uh, play in the final and and you mentioned the, the litany of high-end players but that is not typically the case uh, in this event for for years and years it actually wasn't really a destination for NHL scouts it wasn't really a destination for NHL media because in, in many cases for a long, long time, this was a tournament that was dominated by older veteran teams, typically not made up of NHL prospects. And the big programs, the Michigans, the Boston Colleges, the BUs, the programs that tended to attract a lot of one and done talents tended to flame out. And in recent, really in the last couple of years in particular, that has has kind of flipped the script. Michigan was there last year. Minnesota was there last year. Denver loaded with NHL talent on last year's roster, won the national championship a year ago. And now we're back at it with uh, three teams in particular in BU, Michigan, and Minnesota, who are are chock full of high-end first, second-round picks. Uh, Obviously, Adam Fantilli is a true star, draft eligible in this year's draft. Quinnipiac, a little bit less compelling from an NHL standpoint, but uh, a handful of, of decent NHL prospects in their own right, plus one of the best goaltenders in college hockey. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Lane Hudson, you mentioned uh, off the top, has had a historic, historic season for uh, a sort of teenaged defenseman in college hockey, one of the most prolific from a points perspective uh, in recent history in, in college hockey, really going all the way back to, to Brian Leach. Uh, so a, a impressive season at BU for Lane Hudson, who was a diminutive but extremely skilled pl- sort of prospect for Montreal Canadiens. And then everybody knows Logan Cooley, the top prospect of the Arizona Coyotes, and, and right right on down the list through that that Minnesota lineup and, and that Michigan lineup as well, led by Adam Fantilli. So it's going to be a, a thrill, and I know NHL scouts are, are now uh, making it into a trip, and it's going to be a, a, a sort of busy weekend down in Tampa.
1: Is Fantilli the the kind of consensus to go second overall? Like, has he separated himself to that level? I mean, his points per game rate this season is is I think the third best. Over the last three decades, like he's up there with like Johnny Gaudreau. He's not quite at a two points per game rate, but but he's up there as one of the most productive players in the NCAA ever. Uh, I know people were maybe disappointed with his showing at World Juniors, but I think probably that was unfair considering it was only relative to Connor Bedard. Uh, but has Adam Fantilli done enough to be, you know, the consensus second overall pick at the draft?
2: I think if I were setting betting lines for it, he would be the favorite, but it's not a sure thing. There are still teams that are really, really excited about Leo Carlson, the the Swedish center who has had an excellent 25 points in 40 game season in the SHL, which is arguably the third best pro league in the world. Maybe this year, the second best pro league in the world with some of the exoduses that happened in terms of North American talent out of the KHL. Uh, so a really really strong season for Leo Carlson. He's a six foot three, six foot four center with a ton of sort of uh, playmaking ability and skill, uh, and teams just drool over him. I've I've had scouts text me really really excited unprompted messages this year about how excited <laughs> they were after viewings of of Carlson. So uh, it, there's a chance it's Leo Carlson. Certainly Matt Vaynichkov is still lingering in that conversation. Uh, obviously concerns about Russia and Ukraine and. What that could mean plus his contract status over there which extends through 2026 but mitchkov in terms of statistical profile actually is the closest to bedard uh and 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 by a long shot it's a, a real cut above in terms of what he's accomplished relative to uh, even adam fantilli who you mentioned was in the conversation with johnny goudreau and jack eichel and kyle connor some of the real historic seasons that have happened over the last couple of decades in college hockey so uh, really, really strong. That that core group of four at the top is is extremely exciting. And then even beyond them, Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice, Will Smith of the NTDP, who should light it up at U18 Worlds in Switzerland for USA. Uh, all of those those six kids in particular are special, special talents and would be high picks in any draft. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in Nashville this year, even for the teams that uh, that lose out on the Conor Bedard sweepstakes.
1: Yeah, and for reference, Adam Fantilli had 29 goals and 64 points in 35 games, and he's probably the betting favorite for the Hobie Baker this season. I mean, we'll see once that uh, gets awarded, I believe, before the championship game for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Connor Bedard has scored 71 goals and 143 points in the WHL this season, Scott. Uh, <laughs> there's not a whole lot more to say about this guy, but the WHL playoffs do start. Uh, this weekend is there anything left to learn about Connor bedard in the whl because this will be the first time that i believe he actually plays in a playoff game uh so maybe a little bit we can learn from what he can do in the postseason
2: yes no no question there's i think there's a lot to learn they are underdogs in their series with saskatoon but i don't think they're huge underdogs and i think if he can give it a run this year Uh, Pull off an upset, if there's anybody who's going to win a series on his own, it's him. I think he's capable of doing that. Stanislav Vozil is also likely the, the Columbus Blue Jackets prospect, who really burst onto the scene as a true star prospect at this year's World Juniors, is likely to play 30, 35 minutes in that series and could be the best defenseman. So in that in that series with saskatoon so there's a real chance that regina has the best forward and and the best uh, defenseman in that series and that can be the difference at at the who level even if they're thinner everywhere else so uh, i'm looking forward to that because if they get through they could really face a a top opponent uh in in particular they could well get the winnipeg ice who are are arguably the the odds-on favorite to win the memorial cup this year and that would be a real test for him and really good competitive hockey for him and NHL scouts would be excited to see him in that environment again so uh, I'm looking forward to to watching that that first round series with Saskatoon and seeing whether he can put the team on his back one more time as as he sort of puts together a little bit of a swan song here with the Regina Pats because we all know it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be playing in the NHL next year so this is really an opportunity for him to to put a button on a perfect career with Regina and he'll be in the rafters there one day and have his jersey retired there one day I'm sure and he'll get to come back and have a special night with that town and and that team and I know they mean a lot to him
1: where do you want to see him go so we, we we know that he's going to be playing in the NHL next season we don't know where yet uh NHL draft lottery is in May right now the San Jose Sharks have the best odds uh and then it's Columbus Chicago Anaheim Montreal rounds out the top five if you had to pick right now like who do you want to win the draft lottery Scott? Based on maybe if you think they deserve it or where he'd be the best fit, where it'd be the most fun, like where do you want to see Connor Bedard go?
2: Well, for me personally, and I know Calgary Flames fans will will hate to hear this, but for me personally, I think the absolute best case scenario and their odds will be long. They're going to be right at the fringe of the potential to move up 10 spots, which is the limit in in the lottery now. But I'd love to see him go to Vancouver. I'd love to see him go to his hometown team. I think that would be a dream outcome for him. I think it would be a, a, a real joy for the league to be able to market a, a sort of hometown star like that. Uh, certainly, Montreal could be extremely compelling long-term in terms of storylines around the league. Um, obviously, the Chicago Blackhawks are, are are all in on this, and, and this is an, will yeah. be in a sort of make-or-break, could be a make-or-break moment for their rebuild. Uh, but it's it's going to be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of tension in all of those markets, whether it's Arizona, Montreal, Anaheim, Chicago, Columbus, San Jose. Uh, this lottery is going to be pins and needles. There's going to be excitement and outrage and yelling at tvs and i love that Uh, that's what that's what the lottery is all about it's going to be as much of a spectacle uh this year at the at the sportsnet studios as it ever has been and i i'm very much looking forward to seeing how it all plays out and and who he lands with
1: i don't know if i've ever been more stressed out when i was covering the ottawa senators and they had the third and fifth overall picks but it was obviously the draft lottery before that so they had like two they had two picks. They had two shots at getting Alexi Lafreniere, and I mean, obviously, it ended up working out okay. But that was a very stressful day watching that draft lottery. I just simulated the lottery on Tankathon. This is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and the first three simulations I did, San Jose has won it every single time, uh, three right. out of three. So they've got a 25.5 percent shot at winning Connor Bedard. Um, We've got a couple more minutes left with you, though, Scott. I wanted to ask about a couple more Flames prospects here, uh, or maybe at the very least just Dustin Wolf. He's putting together another incredible season. I know you've always been a big fan of his. He's a guy who all he does is win at every level. Uh, What do you think comes next for Dustin Wolf in in the Calgary Flames?
2: Well, I'd like to see the Flames make room for him. I actually truly believe that he is, if not the most talented goaltender in the organization right now, then certainly in the conversation. I know that's coming a long way from where we were a year ago with the way that Jacob Markstrom was performing. Uh, but he, I, I truly believe if he were with the team over the last couple of months that they there, there could have been a, a point or two or three or four that they left on the board and that he could have won them some games. I think he's that talented a goalie. I think really outside of Yepper Walseth, the true star goalie prospect outside the NHL right now of the Minnesota Wild. Outside of Walseth, I think there's a there's a case to be made that that Dustin Wolf is the second best or third best goalie prospect in the game. Uh, that the pedigree is just undeniable right now. I know it. I know what the numbers and the data says about five foot eleven, six foot goaltenders uh, becoming starters. We've seen a lot of goalies play at that height but not necessarily as starters in recent years anton kudobin yaroslav Halak, uh it's a it's a pretty small group uh i think he's i think he's going to break i think he's going to buck the trend and break the norm and and become a, a 50 game very good nhl goalie uh and i don't think he's he's all that far away from being that i think as soon as they get him into the mix with the team whether that's moving dan bladar in the summer to make room for it or what have you I think as soon as he's in the conversation, as soon as he starts to play games, he's going to start to take games and, and earn starts and be a guy that they have to turn to more and more and more and more until he's the guy. So I truly believe that's that's going to be the outcome for him. There's just nothing about his game that, that has a sort of hole in it to me. He's athletic. He stays with shooters. He tracks the puck incredibly well. He's very controlled, both in the net and through his rebounds. Uh, it's all there. He just makes it look look easy out there and that's a very rare thing for a smaller goalie because they tend to to really swim much more than bigger goalies and get lost in the net and he just never seems to so uh, just such a unique package and I can't wait to see what he does I imagine at the very least he'll get a few starts next year but I think there's a real chance that they go out and, and try to make room for him this summer so that he can he can be one of their two goalies next year.
1: It'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Flames end up mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, if they'll give Dustin Wolf a game here in garbage time. Mm -hmm. I mean, his numbers with the Wranglers this season, I mean, he's got a 931 save percentage. He has seven shutouts this year, uh, 38-9-2 record. He's got an assist as well, actually, a low year production-wise for him. He had four assists last season. Only one assist this year. He's got to step that up, I guess. But Dustin Wolf, his numbers just... uh, There's nothing wrong with a player or a prospect, you know, marinating in the American Hockey League, especially if you're a smaller goalie. Uh, But they'll reach a point with Dustin Wolf where it's like, what else does he have to prove? (laughs)
2: Yeah. And a point where I'm sure Brad for will want to extend a bone to him as well. Right. Just for the kid, for what he's done. uh, You don't want to send the wrong message to him. You don't want to have him sort of waiting down there too, too long. Uh, Even if you are preaching the process for him and even if he's fully bought into that process, there's absolutely going to come a time where it's, push comes to shove and, and he deserves a look and uh, especially if if the flames goaltending isn't playing particularly well it, it becomes a, a much tougher sell to tell dustin wolf that he has to continue to wait so uh if if that continues if that trend continues if markstrom can't be, get back to the markstrom of last year and of prior in his career uh then there there absolutely should be a, a, an opportunity that's made available for for dustin
1: all right awesome stuff uh welcome back happy to have you back joining the show scott uh we'll have to do this again because there's going to be no shortage of uh prospect and draft talk coming up over the next couple weeks thanks pal all right there goes scott wheeler he's a national prospect writer at The Athletic, lots of good stuff about Matt Coronado, Dustin Wolf, the Frozen Four. Again, that is set with BU, Michigan, University of Minnesota, and Quinnipiac. They all advance to the Final Four in NCAA Men's College Hockey. Some interesting stuff on Dustin Wolf. Uh, obviously, Markstrom has, has looked a lot better down the stretch. Looks like he's kind of found his game when it matters most. But you do wonder, when is Dustin Wolf going to get a shot? If Will it be this year? Will he get more time next season are they going to continue to be patient with him uh uc Saros is kind of the obvious example of a smaller nhl goalie and i mean uc Saros should be in the conversation for the vesna this season i mean he's probably one of the biggest reasons that the really depleted nashville predators have still remained in the hunt he's He's very good, small, but very technically sound. And, and Dustin Wolf has has told me in the past that UC Saros is a guy that he personally looks up to uh, as a smaller goalie who's found success in the NHL. But Saros took took some time to get there too. He wasn't uh, two three seasons in the American Hockey League and done starter in the NHL so we'll see how that path continues for Dustin Wolf Uh, and that conversation with Scott was brought to you by the guest hotline and Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975 you can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast take order delivery at 403-248-3344 we're going to head to a quick break here and coming up next we're going to talk to Alex Faust he is the play by play voice of the LA Kings going to scout the enemy and tee up tonight's between the Calgary Flames and the LA Kings. That is next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960, The Fan.
0: You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on
2: your home of the Flames, SportsNet 960, The Fan.
1: All right, Hockey Central continues here on SportsNet 960. Final segment of the hour and we're going to head right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline to, to round this show out because we've got Alex Faust. He's the play by play voice of the LA Kings on the line. Time to tee up tonight's matchup flames, uh, LA Kings 7 p.m. puck drop at the Saddle Dome pregame right here at six o'clock on Sportsnet 960. Alex, thanks for making the time to do this. How's it going?
0: Yeah. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, You know, want to tee up this matchup with you. Want to get all into the L.A. Kings because they have been on fire. Uh, The Kings have 33 points in their last 20 games since the All-Star break. They're on a franchise record 12-game point streak right now. Uh, How would you describe the kind of hockey that the L.A. Kings are playing right now?
0: Well, until uh, Saturday, which was a wild... 7-6 victory over St. Louis, I was going to say they were on autopilot because uh, just every bit of their process was working to a T. Everybody's bought in, um, you know, everything from five on five play to special teams, goaltending, it all been working. A little bit of a blip on Saturday, um, you know, allowing a a four-goal lead to nearly evaporate against the Blues. Uh, But, you know, going 5-0-2 on their seven-game homestand, I mean, that's the best seven-game homestand in franchise history. Um, So right now, you know, they're they're just – they're humming along in a lot of ways. They got Kevin Fiala back from injury. Uh, They got Sean Dursey on the back end. He's back from injury. And, uh, you know, they're they're playing exactly to their potential. Uh, Now the question is, can they – you know, cinch up home ice. Can they challenge for the division title? I mean, it's uh, it's really the those are the possibilities open to the Kings right now.
1: I mean, that's one thing. They're only two points back of the Vegas Golden Knights for the Western Conference lead. Do you think this is a team that could legitimately be the, the one seed in the West heading into the postseason?
0: I see no reason why not. And I, I think the Kings are in just as good a, a position to challenge for that as Vegas is. Uh, you know the Kings have fortified their goaltending. Uh, they can outscore their problems on any given night. I think they're playing a more, um, you know, measured brand of hockey. Even even though they can score, you know, four plus goals a night, uh, than they did at the beginning of the season. So yeah, I think the stars are all aligning, and, and then you've got you know the performance of their top players. Adrian Kempe, 36 goals. That's a career high. Kings haven't had a 40-goal scorer since 1994, Luke Robitaille, Uh Andrzej Kopitar, you know, it, it's funny. You, you talk about guys who, you you know, get overlooked year after year, and, and Kopitar is just one of the most consistent performers in, in this league um, but isn't, you know, a bona fide superstar. Just maybe he's not the flashiest player, he, you know, never posts crazy offensive numbers. But how about this? Uh, in a game in which the Kings got outscored 5-3 to three at even strength, he didn't record a point against the St. Louis blues and still finished plus one on the game. You know, so um, you know, when you you get that kind of performance from, from your uh, captain uh, who's certainly going to be in contention uh, to be nominated for another selfie trophy this year, that's that's a huge plus.
1: Well, it's interesting that this this is an L.A. Kings team that, at least lately, you can see like this is a team that can lock it down and just win a 2-1 hockey game, but they can also win games like they did against the St. Louis Blues, uh, or they can blow out the Calgary Flames like they did last week, 8-2. I mean, they can, as you said, they can outscore problems, uh, but they could also lock it down. It seems like they have a, a versatile way of, of beating you, uh, the way that they're playing right now. Things just seem to be to be clicking in a way that, I mean, they were a good team earlier in the season, but it seems like they've maybe hit a different level down the stretch here.
2: Yeah, and,
0: you know, I think one area of concern for the Kings, they have, you know, conceded, um, you know, big-time leads, uh, and it's happened a couple of times this year. They've conceded multi-goal leads, and I'm talking three, four-goal leads, um, you know, that have vanished. You know, I I think this team, you know, even though we're talking about all the scoring they can do, I think they are more comfortable in low scoring games. I think it just plays a little bit more to the identity. It's interesting, you know, with Daryl Sutter, of course, you know, winning two Stanley Cups as the coach of the Kings. And, you know, that's kind of the standard bearer in terms of the identity for the team. I think you know, Tom McClellan and, and Trent Yawney, Jim Hiller, the coaching staff of this team this year have taken a lot of the, the tenets of that and, changed a, just a few things and opened it up a little bit more for this team just to be a little bit more creative. Um, but, but the key thing is they're still, you know, hitting those fundamentals. They're getting inside ice. They're not cheating for their offense, although that does happen from time to time. Uh, you know, I think this Sunday was a good example of where, yeah, they, they were starting to cheat a little bit. Um, but for the most part in the last you know two months or so, really since the All-Star break, that hasn't happened very much. This team, and uh, you know, they can get within one point of clinching a playoff spot uh, today with a win and a Nashville regulation loss. So, you know, things are uh, looking up for this team. But you're right, you know, coming off a game against Calgary last week where they they embarrassed the Flames, I think there's every expectation in the world that Calgary is going to come out firing. I mean, they're playing as you guys have talked about for a while yet. I mean, they're playing for their their playoff lives, and they have been for a while. Um, It's a question of which flames team is going to show up tonight it feels like
1: yeah that's kind of in the story of the season is trying to predict like which version which version of the flames are we going to see this evening can are they going to get blown out are they going to you know be the ones that blow out a team like vegas golden knights it's uh anyone's guess sometimes um you know, one thing that's kind of interesting looking at this Kings team is, is kind of the depth of scoring that they've had. They have five 20 goal scores this season. Uh, and that's an Adrian Kempe, as you already mentioned, um, you know, Victor Arvidson, Anze Kopitar, Gabe Velarde and Kevin Fiala. Philip Deneau is not far off either. He's at 18 goals this season and, and he's a guy who, you know, wanted to bet on himself and believed he could be more of an offensive producer than just a defensive center. Like what kind of you know, importance has this depth of scoring talent been for this Kings team this season? Cause it seems like it could be any guy who could go in and get you the big goal at any moment.
0: Well, realistically, the way this team's performed in the last couple months, they've gotten, I mean, I can't remember a game in which recently they didn't have at least three lines going generating high quality chances. Uh, and that says something. And you know, I, I think you, you talk to anybody in this league And to be a true contender, you have to have three solid lines and an identity to play with. And, you know, frankly, the Kings are getting that on a regular basis. I'll also highlight the power play. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I can't tell you the last time uh, and folks around the team can't tell you the last time they've seen a power play this good around the L.A. Kings. Put this way, they're at 25.7 percent, that's second best overall in the NHL on the power play. They have 76 power play goals this year. That is nearly double already what they had last year. I mean, they have a chance to more than double their output in the power play by the end of this season. They haven't had power play, get this, Uh better than 20% in 13 years. So Uh you're talking about an offensive outburst that just hasn't been seen in more than a decade. Right now this team is on pace to be the highest scoring Kings team in 29 years. Um, you know, that that speaks to where they're at. But again, at the end of the day, I think they'd much rather win a game tonight, three to two, uh, than, you know, how they've handled some, you know, recent games with, you know, like that seven to six. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the big kind of changes uh, in recent weeks for this team coming out of the trade deadline, coming out of all-star break is is Jonas Korpisalo, who is expected to start in net tonight at the Saddle Dome. What kind of upgrade and boost has he provided in net for this team? You know, I think
0: in goal, a lot of times, you know, unless you're talking about some of the elite goalies in this league, um, you know, like a Vasilevsky and I'd even throw Connor Hellebuck in there when he's on his game, you know, what we've seen from Linus Allmark this year. You know, unless you're talking about that group, what you need out of a goalie is just to make a save or an extra save here or there. Uh, Corpus has done that. And and I'll give a lot of credit to Phoenix Copley, too. You know, he's not flashy. His numbers won't impress you. Um, But he's just made a save, especially early in the game, uh, to keep, Either a, a scoreless tie, or to keep the team up one nothing, just one extra save. And again, nothing spectacular because I, I can't think of many, you know, spectacular highlights from Phoenix Copley this year. And even as Corpus Allos come on with the group uh, as an upgrade, uh, I can't think of any, you know, crazy highlight he's made. But he is in position. Uh, he is going to give you very few bad goals against. And realistically, the way the team has played, they've only needed average goaltending to win games this year. And their save percentage on the season is still, you know, bottom five in the league like Calgary. Um, but the difference is, you know, scoring in front of them. And I think with Corpus Allo joining the team, you know, we're not in a position yet to say whether he's going to be the number one going into the playoffs or whether the Kings will designate a number one or go with a rotation. But I think the writing is starting to be put on the wall that Corpusalo will be that guy, and we'll see tonight what he looks like. He's four zero and one since joining the team with a nine twenty nine save percentage. You can't argue with those numbers, um, <laughs> but you know we'll see. In the last uh, you know couple weeks of the season, I just I just think that the way things are going, and especially with the Kings going out and getting uh, Corpusalo and trading away Jonathan Quick. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the team's number one going into the playoffs.
1: Alex, you mentioned uh, you know, how this is a team that has three lines that's kind of constantly going at the very least. And one line that I wanted to ask you specifically about, because uh, they just seem like they're going to be a pain night in and night out, and that's Kevin Fiala, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson. Uh, I'm sure that's a, a line that we're going to see a lot of tonight uh, when this Flames and in, in Kings game drops the puck at seven o'clock i mean just how frustrating of a line is that to play against
0: well you've got a responsible center in philip to you've got a guy who always wants the puck in victor arvidson and a guy who's really strong on the puck and just can dazzle you with some of his edge work like kevin fiala so you've got three different ways that you can be beat um That's interesting. I think Fiala, he adds a little bit of risk to the Kings game, which is great because they haven't had a game breaker like that, again, in many, many years. You think about this Kings team, and for so many years, the thought process and the identity around the team was structure and responsibility, two-way players. I don't, you know, not that, you know, he's neglecting the defensive side of the game, but there is risk in Kevin Fiala's game, which can sometimes lead to incredible reward. But, um, you know, sometimes he'll get caught taking an ozone penalty. Uh, sometimes he'll take the puck to the middle of the ice when it's not necessary and there's a turnover. You can live with that because he's put up 70 points and he, you know, he leads the team in scoring. But I do wonder going into the playoffs um, whether that line will stay together. Because he's been on the third line, interestingly enough, and again, leading the team in scoring, Fiala. He's been on the team's third line a good chunk of the season, knowing that he's going to get his time on the power play, but also just to keep that top six a little bit more sturdy when it comes to the defensive side uh, of the puck. So mm-hmm. we'll see if that you know, continues on in the playoffs. And they're, they're nursing a couple of injuries. Gable already won't play tonight. He's not even with the team right now. Uh, in Calgary, it's just considered day-to-day. Um, but the Kings, you know, they have uh, the the luxury this time of year, which is depth uh, and a variety of guys they can plug into different roles. But it, it will be fascinating with Fiala how he handles whatever role he's given uh, in the postseason.
1: We've got a couple more minutes left here with you, Alex, before we let you go, before you, uh you know, finish the rest of your kind of game day routine here. Um, you know, we spoke already about Anze Kopitar, and, and he's a guy who's been on this Kings team for, for a long time. And I'm looking on the blue line and I'm looking at Drew Doughty, who's in his 15th mm-hmm. season in the NHL and the only defender or a person in the NHL that plays more minutes than Drew Doughty is Gail McCarr. Uh, How does he continue to anchor this Kings blue line?
0: Well, you know, I think he's had to change a few things about his game. Last year, he didn't even appear with the team in the playoffs. He had a wrist injury on March 7th of last year. He tried to rehab it. Ultimately, he wound up getting surgery, uh, which cost him the playoffs. I don't think he was himself starting this year. And I think there was an extra focus simply on defending this year. Dowdy and Mikey Anderson have formed a tremendous shutdown pair. And I know you mentioned Dowdy and he's the Norris Trophy winner. He's the workhorse on this team, as you mentioned, in terms of time on ice. I want everybody to get to know around the league the name Mikey Anderson because you're going to be hearing it for years to come. He signed an eight-year extension with the team he is developing into one of the best shutdown defenders in this league. Uh, a lot of the advanced stats that we get from our partners at Sport Logic, um, you know, he's if not top five then top three in zone entry denials, and has been now for the better part of a year and a half. Uh, and those two combined have been terrific on the defensive end. And only now recently has Drew. Been able to find his offensive game, I think, in large part due to the wrist injury last year and building the strength back up, building the stability back in after an injury that required a pretty extensive surgery. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. five goals the last six games. He scored just three in the prior 66. Um, You know, I, I think you're also seeing a motivated Drew Doughty who hated being on the sidelines last year. I mean, it's there's anybody who hasn't changed in 15 years in the league, and he's still a kid at heart and just wants to be out there at every moment. It is Drew Doughty, and he's got a fire uh, lit underneath him right now.
1: Awesome stuff. Alex, thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Uh, maybe we'll talk Kings more in the postseason.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see where, where Calgary lands in this. But, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, really appreciate the time, uh, Haley.
1: Yeah, thank you. There goes Alex Faust. He's the play-by-play voice, of the LA Kings. You can catch him. I believe he does some stuff with Apple for the MLBs, NHL on TNT. Uh, lots of places you can catch Alex in, in his coverage and his commentary in major sports. That is all the time that we have today here on Hockey Central. Uh, but we got to get out of here. This has been Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan.